0: You will find it over and over and over again. One of our favorite scriptures is in Psalms chapter 22 and verse number 3 where it reads, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So we find from this scripture that the Bible would indicate to us that when you begin to praise God, you create a habitation or a dwelling place for God to come in and he begins to move and guide and bless us in that moment when we are praising him because the Bible says "O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel or God dwells among our praises so if that be the case then what what is it we must understand when it comes to praise in the Bible There are at least, uh, and I say at least, uh, there are seven basic forms of praise that I have been able to find, uh, and there might be some others, as in playing the piano, you can have a C, but you can have a C flat, is there a C flat, and you can have a C sharp, I don't know, I just know the key number, letters, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you can flat them and you can sharpen them with it like a pencil, I don't know, but anyway, you can do those things. And so there might be some alternate ways, you know, and mix of this, a little bit of that, but there are, from my understanding, and what I've been able to find, seven basic forms of praise in the Old Testament, actual ways in which people praise the Lord. Now, you will find one of our key scriptures that we've been talking about is in Genesis chapter 29, and verse number 35. And this is talking, again, about Leah, when Judah was being born. It says, and she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. That word praise there, if you go back into the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, and uh, I realize that all of us are not Hebrew and Greek scholars, but you can check this out if you want to. If you go back, you'll find that that is a word called Yada, Y-A-D-A-H. It's there on your paper. It literally means to revere or worship with the extended hand. It means to hold out the open hand. It is an act of surrender. It is although you're going, but yet the Bible translates that or actually posts that out there as praise in the King James Version. What it's saying is Leah had finally got to the place in her life when she just looked up at God and said, you know what, Lord, I praise you as an act of surrendering. I'm, I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of all that's going on. I'm going to surrender my will and receive your will my life your will is for me to be here with my husband your will is for me to be here in this place uh, and I'm going to accept it I'm going to receive it and so in an act of surrender she just lifted up a hand and began to praise the Lord how beautiful is that and the Bible refers to that as praise those moments in your walk with God When you've struggled and you've fought and you've had a battle and you've struggled in your own mind about do I do this or not do that? Do I do that or not do this? And yet all along you find yourself for some reason in that place and finally it hits you and dawns on you, this is where God wants me. And so she released that and she praised the Lord. In an act of surrender. Like me dating my wife for five years. Finally, one day I realized, Lord, I surrender. Yeah. You know, when you start comparing everybody else to her, you would think that this thick head would understand a whole lot sooner. Dummy, you're in love with her. That's why nobody else measures up to her. It took me a while. But finally, I, yaw dog, I surrendered and I praised. The blessing that God had given me of a beautiful wife. I'm getting brownie points now. I need them too. So y'all dog praise that moment when you're just you're overwhelmed of how God has brought you to where you are and, and you release it and you praise him. And I receive it, God. I'll quit fighting. I'll quit the battling. I'll quit the arguing. I'll just receive it because you're my God. And you will find other references as well. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 22, a very famous portion of Scripture. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. In other words, Lord, we just submit and we just surrender. And, Lord, this is your battle. This is your fight. We're not going to fight it ourselves, and we're going to receive what it is you have. Beautiful, beautiful praise. And there are those moments, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's on the job, wherever it might be, when you finally just say, all right, Lord, I give up. I love you. I'll obey what you've asked me to do. You surrender, and that is a form of. Of praise. I bet mean, you probably didn't understand that. You didn't have the words for it, but that was there. And then we move forward. Can it's all right if I move quickly? I want to try to get through these tonight. We go into another uh, place that is called Todah in Jeremiah chapter 33, 10 and 11. Uh, there's also a part in, in Psalms 42, 1 through 4. And I'm going to read that one. It says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Then shall I come and appear before the Lord. My tears have been my meat night and day, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me for i had gone with the multitude i went with them to the house of god with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holiday and and, and david was saying that there came a point when all of the struggle and all of the battle, and I just, I was weary, I was tired, I wanted a touch from God, I wanted like a, like a deer that was panting after the water, I needed something from the Lord. So I went to the house of God, and while I was there, I just threw up my hands, and I began to adore the Lord. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I begin to just feel that presence and power and glory. It is literally an extension of the hand for adoration, an extension of the hand to show that you love and you adore and you are absolutely blown away by the other person's love and who they are. Sometimes you come into the house of God. You've got nothing struggling. You're not in a place where you're fighting God for anything, but you come in and you feel the presence of the Lord. I told you I have a hard time just teaching this. I want to take off and preach, but you 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 have a you, you come in and you just feel the presence of God and there's something about you that you just, you just lift a hand up. You don't know why you do it. You just do it. There's nothing in you that says, and now it's time to lift up a hand. It just happens. Why? Because you just say, oh, I, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I remember many years ago we had a lady come and she had a beautiful voice. She was a friend of ours. And uh, she, was, she came to one of our sing that we had. We haven't had one in a while. We need to have another one. And uh, she came, and she's Baptist. And she was up here, and we, we, you know, we just opened it up for anybody that wanted to come from the community. We called it a community sing, and we had them come. And, and I teased her later because while she was up here singing, she's right about over in here somewhere, and she was singing, and, and, and I saw this. And I called her later. Her name was Sheila. I said, Sheila, I got a bone to pick with you. Baptists don't do that. You ain't supposed to be raising your hand. Baptists don't do that. She said, Well, this is one Baptist that couldn't help it. She felt the presence of the Lord. It's that moment. You, you don't even know why. Have you ever done it? And then thought, I, I, I didn't even know I was doing that. I just did because I just, I adored the Lord. And I adored the presence that I felt. And I adored everything that was happening. And without even understanding, I just lifted my hand. And I began to say, I love you, Jesus. So that is called todal praise, an extension of the hand for adoration. So now you know why that happens. Now you know why you do that, and you never even perhaps even thought about it before. And then there is another one called tehillah. Tehillah, it means a laudation or a hymn. It says in Psalms 33 and 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. In other words, singing a song makes you look good. It is comely, it is pretty, it is beautiful, For the upright, sing that song. And I didn't know this before, but in Psalms 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why is it so often that we begin to sing at the beginning of a service? We just think that that's a thing we do, don't we? Well, that's just the order of service. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not necessarily just the order of service. Maybe it has become that. Maybe it's something that we've just always done. But I want you to understand why we do it. It is a part of coming in to the very presence of the Lord. We come in with thanksgiving. I'm so thankful to be in the house of God tonight. I'm thankful for the presence of God tonight. I'm thankful for the glory of the Lord tonight. And then I'm going to. Praise him, enter into his courts with thanksgiving, I'm sorry, into into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts, that inner court. When we begin to sing and we begin to have a hymn or a song, then we come into that courthouse area. That's what scripture says. Every, every time I'm reading a word and you read praise, it's the word that we're talking about at that moment. When you read that scripture that says we enter into his courts with praise, it's literally saying we enter into his courts with a song. It is no wonder one of the prophets one time, they came to him and asked him to inquire of the Lord for them. We need guidance. We need wisdom. We need an answer. He said, I will do it, but first you must bring me a minstrel. Why? Because there's something powerful about that. Any questions so far I like these. I want to make sure this you begin then to understand why we do these things. There's another one called Barak. In Judges chapter 5 and 2 it says praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. And then we find it again in Revelation chapter 4 The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And it goes on and and the scripture is there. But it's talking about a form of praise called Barak. Barak. It literally means that you will bless God from a kneeling position. In other words, you are bowing down before God. Ever had those moments when you were in the presence of God and you just didn't understand it, but for some reason you just felt like you just needed to kneel down because you needed to make sure God was higher than you? You needed to show that moment where God was excelled and God was elevated, and you may not have even understood what was happening, but it is Barak praise, that moment where you just kneel down in the presence of the Lord. And and even sometimes it was all the way down like that. Why? Because I'm trying to make myself as small as I possibly can so that God is even that much more greater. It is an act of submitting, an act of kneeling, an act of showing that the one you're kneeling to is so much greater than you. That overwhelming emotion that I've got to kneel in your presence. That balrock praise, powerful. You, I, I, until I did this study several years ago, all of these things had come to us, and, and we did all of these things, but I never fully understood why. I just knew that they were there. But I find now that all through the Old Testament and some in the New Testament, they did these things. And in number five, as we begin to look at these, and I'm, re- I'm going through this pretty quickly tonight, In Psalms chapter 21 and verse number uh, 13, anybody have the Bible out? Would you mind reading that? Psalms 21 and verse 13. Anybody at all? So will I sing and praise thy power. Notice here the sing is actually said, but if, if that's singing, then what is the praising part? Anybody else have Psalms 57 and 7 by any chance? Go ahead. Okay, notice that both of these say, I'm going to sing, but while I'm singing, I'm going to give you praise. That word praise literally is zamar. It literally means if if you go to a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, you'll find that praise is all of these different words. Zamar praise has to do with touching the strings or the parts of a musical instrument. That means that when I play the drums or when I play the piano or when I play a guitar or if I play the spoons, if I clap my hands, what am I doing? I'm doing zamar praise. I am praising God by using an instrument to do so. And it is a beautiful thing. That was what I was referencing when I said that the prophet said, bring me a minstrel. He wanted there to be some Zomar praise that was going up during his time there while he began to worship the Lord. Somebody said one time that music is a universal language. Until we had to go and add words to it. There's a lot of songs that I, I love the beauty of the song itself until they start singing the words. It's like, oh, I got to cut that one off. But I love the music. Zamar means that I want to praise God. I, I wish that so many of our uh, Church of Christ friends could, could get a glimpse of this and understand that, that, that praise and, and church service and worship, Music is a very critical part of our praise and our worship. It is important that it play a part. In us, Because it is a one of the, the many forms of praise in which we weed over, if we aren't careful, we just read over it and we say praise. But we need to back up and realize that in that praising, they were specifically playing a musical instrument. So the next time somebody asks you, does music really have a part in church? You say, absolutely. Absolutely. Does music really have? Yes. I'll even stop you right there. You don't even have to finish asking the question. The answer is yes. It belongs in the house of God. It belongs in our worship. It belongs in our praise. In fact, it in and of itself is a form of praise. And I will sing and I will praise. I will we, we read it twice. I will sing and I will play an instrument to go with it. So when we teach our children, and we learn ourselves to play a musical instrument, we are actually teaching them and we are learning ourselves another way to praise the Lord. I'll tell you, I, I, I think it's beautiful sometimes to be in service and, and you cut the lights down low and somebody just begins to play music. No words. Do you not feel the presence of the Lord during that time? Do you not feel uplifted in your spirit? Do you not feel the Holy Ghost begin to move? Why? Because it's not just because when the singing, it's not the loud preaching, it's not the loud running the out, but it's that praise that comes simply and solely by playing a musical instrument to him. It is literally, folks, a form of praise. Why do we have music in church? We have music because it is one additional way in which we praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, you parents will love this one. Psalms chapter 63. Anybody have that one, verses 1 through 3? That awesome. My lips shall praise thee. You might have already guessed this has something to do with speaking. My lips shall praise thee. Somebody get Psalms one forty five and verse number four. Anybody? Okay. One generation shall praise thy works to another. There is a form of praise you're going to like this one, called shabak. Shabak. Shabak praise is to address in a loud tone. Shabak praise is when you get out there and you just hallelujah! Everybody scream hallelujah!
1: hallelujah. Oh yeah, that's
0: shabak praise. Somebody say glory! Whew, you feel the Lord, That Shabbat praise. That is when you are not intimidated, you're not trying to be quiet, but it says that I will address in a loud tone the next time somebody tries to tell you well you guys are just too loud say no we may not be loud enough you don't understand Shabbat praise means that I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to say it I'm going to shout it I'm going to scream it my God is a good God my God is a powerful God my God is bigger than this world and I don't care who hears it I don't care who comes across I don't care what you've got to say about it I am praising God the way the scripture tells me to do. Folks, that's powerful. That is powerful. Why are apostolic Pentecostal churches so loud sometimes? We are loud because we are Shabbat praising. We are loud because we understand that sometimes you just got to shout it out. Bunch of crazy people go to a football game and a pig skin crosses a piece of line and everybody erupts, but that's okay. You can shabak that piece of skin, but I want to come to church and I want to shabak my God. I want to shout about my God. I want to scream out about my God. I want people to hear me say glory to God. And for you parents and for all of the leaders in the church and all of the elders, I want you to look over at some young person close by you and I want you to tell them very loudly, my God is good. Oh, come on. You could do better than that. My God is good you can look at your children and you can tell them listen son listen daughter I remember a time when we didn't have two dimes to rub together and we had to go before God in prayer and some way somehow God made a way some way somehow we opened the door and there were groceries we opened the door and there were the money that we needed we went to the uh, post office we got our mail and there was a check there we weren't expecting whatever it might Be Oh, son, daughter, I remember when you were three years old, your head was burning up with fever. We didn't get you to the doctor. We couldn't get you out anywhere. But I laid my hand on you and Mom and Daddy prayed in the name of Jesus. And that fevered brow grew cool under the power and the glory of God. One generation shall praise in a loud manner. Why? Because young people just don't hear very well, do they? <laughs> oh, come on. You can laugh. But it's just true, isn't it? You can tell them a dozen times to do something. And guess what? They never heard a word. Until, I know what, my mama's sitting right here. She could say, Steve, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, I said, go do this. Yeah, yeah. But oh, when I heard... Stephen Aubrey Horn, you know, when they do the three-name thing, you're in serious trouble. There was something about that tone. There was something about that way. Or you just wait till your daddy gets home. Yeah, I heard that. But in addressing in that loud tone, we get their attention. They understand it. But when we praise God that way and we tell our children in a loud tone, honey, you've got to listen to me. You're not understanding me. God is great and God is awesome and he can meet your needs and he blessed us this time. He healed our bodies. He did all of these wonderful things in our past. You've got to understand. That's why it said one Generation shall praise thy works to the next. Why? Because I want them to know who we serve. And I know I'm getting loud and I'm I'm doing a little bit of preaching, but we need to out praise. Sometimes we need to get loud. You know, and there's there's no timetable for any of this. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, you've got to do this at a certain time or that at a certain time. I've been in church before. Have you ever, anybody ever been in church where all of a sudden there's always a Sister Susie back somewhere? You're sitting there and service is just going, just going. All of a sudden, woo! Somebody in the back, just Sister Susie, jumps up and all of a sudden she can't contain it anymore. Maybe God's been good to her that day. Maybe God met a need in her life, and, and she just can't hold it anymore, and she just cuts loose. We had a pastor by the name of Brother Hopkins growing up, and Sister Ruby Hopkins was his wife. Sister Sister Hopkins, I don't know how she did it, but she'd start off low and quiet. Oh. Then it would just go, uh, and it would get louder and louder until it got right up to the point that you were sure that every light bulb and every window was about to shatter because it was that ear-piercing high squeal. And then all of a sudden, when it finally lit hit that one plateau, she'd take off running, dancing all over the place. But you could feel it coming the louder she got and the higher that tone got and the more your eardrums went boom, 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 boom. You knew it. Oh, Sister Hopkins is fixing to cut loose, folks. Sister Hopkins, is, and she let you know. Cocoa, Florida, way back when. But we have to learn that it is okay. It is not just something Pentecostals do. It's not just something that we have inherited from those before us. It is something that is absolutely 100% biblical in what we do. And if people don't believe it, you've got that paper right there. You just flash it in their face, and you let them see it. All right, I know I've got to hurry. I'm not sure what time it is. Like that, There's a glare on the clock. I might have more time than I think I do. There is um, another thing I want you to read. Who can read uh, about five, six verses at once? Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. Read it really loud. Verses uh, 10 through 15. 1 Samuel 21 verses 10 through 15. Okay, you get the picture. Here is King David. Actually, he's not King David yet, but he's David. And he's standing before these two very powerful kings that have large armies that are with them. And when they see David, they say, wait a minute, we know that David is an Israelite. And we know that he serves in, uh, under the king Saul. We have even heard the songs in our countries about how great David is when they say Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his Tens of thousands. So don't bring him here and pretend, you know, like he's just some fellow off the street you're trying to help. We know who David is. We know what's going on. And they were extremely suspicious of him. They thought that maybe David was coming in to conquer them. And they said, wait a minute. We know who he is. And when David realized that, the Bible said that his only thing that came to mind for him was, well, I've got to pretend like I have lost my mind. Isn't that what we read? So he goes over to the door. And he starts scratching on the door. No doubt he hunched over. The Bible doesn't say that, but that's what I see in my mind. And he, he, he cocked his head to the side. And uh, did, did he not say that spittle came out of his mouth? I won't do that one. I'll, you know, I'll save you for that one, spare you. But he had he did that in such a way that he pretended like he was mad. In other words, not angry, but he'd lost his mind. Okay? Ridiculous, crazy, you know, whatever, hunchback of Notre Dame, but whatever you might want to call it. But there he was because he was afraid. And so he pretended like he belonged in a loony bin somewhere, spittle coming out of his mouth. He was a mess, folks. He was an absolute mess. Well, what we understand now, do you get the picture of David? Can you picture him in your mind scratching on the doorpost and, and, and hunched up and, and, and drool coming out of his mouth and he couldn't talk right and, could, and, and he looked like he would lost his, do you, you got that mental picture? Anybody not have it, I'll do it again. If you need it, I'll do the spittle if you really want me to. My wife says no, okay. I'll lose my brownie points I got earlier, folks. I can't do that. I need those brownie points. All right, that's the picture. All right? Now, keep that picture because the word mad there, the word that described David's behavior, the word that he pretended to be is a word called halal, H-A-W-L-A-L, halal. Okay, now that word, H-A-L-A-L, it's just, it sounds like hollow. That, that means literally to be clear, to shine, hence to make a boast or make a show, and thus to be clamorously foolish. In other words, you look, you act, you appear on all the outside to be a loud, obnoxious, person that has lost their mind to the world and to everybody else. Those kings looked at him and said, We do not want a man like that riding with us. Why did you bring him here? He obviously has lost his mind. He obviously is hollow. He obviously is mad he obviously is one of those that's absolutely incompetent and so it is literally the same word everybody say literally if i say blue does blue ever change it's always blue isn't it so blue is blue is blue is blue right Haul out! It was the same word that David used in the description, or that the Word of God used in the description of David's behavior. Haul out! You want me to blow your mind? You say pow! Come on, do it! Pow! I am going to put. Brother Chris, he's with us tonight. I'm going to use him. Brother Chris, I want you to read Psalms 150. Would you mind doing that? You can, you know, hit me later if you want to. But Psalms 150, verses 1 through 6. (laughs) That's a lot of praise, isn't it? That's a lot of praise. Every time, literally, and I challenge you, check me out. Every time you read the word praise in Psalms 150, guess what that word is? (laughs) Hallow. The same word? that used to describe David when he lost his mind. Literally the exact same word that said, David, when I look at you, you just look like you're crazy. You look like you've got nothing in your head. You look like you've lost your marbles and whatever other term you can come up with. David, there's something about the way you're behaving. It's just you ain't right, fella, and, and you're wrong, and you've got this going, and and, and, all, and, 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 and when we read in Psalms 150, Every time you read the word praise, that means get with it. Be loud. Be clamorous. Make a boast. Look like you've lost your mind. I challenge you to look it up. Some of you might. So, when you say, somebody get on, Kenny, come up and get on them jumps. Yeah, come on. You're the only Kenny I know. I want you just to beat him. I don't mean to tear him up, but beat him. Beat him like you would at home if nobody else was around. Come on, beat him. Show us what you got. Oh, come on. Do better than that. Do do a run. Do the cymbals. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Woo. All right, keep doing it. Don't stop. Um, Bethany, we'll use you. Come get on the piano. Come on. Is it still on? Yeah. Play along with him on the piano, but just, just. Oh, come on. Keep going. Come on. No, 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 no. no. Better, better, faster, harder. Yeah, there you go. Just play something. Just go at it like you know how you're doing. Come on. What is he doing? Come on. If I said I'll give you $100 if you'll make me jump. Come on. (laughs) Boy, that's pathetic. While they're doing this, keep going. Don't stop. Come on. Don't stop. While they're doing that. Where's our Timbre? I don't know where. Come on, don't stop. You guys are all stopping. All right, Justin, come up here. Pick out two other people. Pick out two other people and give them one of them. I want you guys, if you get one, to come on up and stand up here. Play that tambourine. Come on, you can do it. Play it. Come on. Now this might sound ridiculous. Come on, don't stop. Keep going. Somebody else out here stand up and just keep saying glory, glory, glory. Somebody else stand up and say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! I want somebody else to go walking around like this. Anybody? Come on. Come with me. With me. Come on. Whoa, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, to a casual observer, we look like we've lost our minds. To somebody that just walked in out of the back door, had never been in an apostolic Pentecostal service, we would look to them like we had done been out of the lunatic but I want you to understand something that based on the word of God, what I'm doing is acceptable. It is received. It is holy. It is right. It is powerful. Come on, keep going. out praise. Haul out praise, haul out praise. Come on, we need some adults. Hallelujah, will you get around and will you walk around this congregation? Will you lift up your hands? Will you praise the Lord right now? Lord, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. You are great, you are mighty. You are powerful, you are holy, you are righteous. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people see. I don't care what people say about me. Hallelujah. Folks, it's time we learn to praise God. It's time we learned that this is what God wants and this is what God desires and this is what God looks for and hopes for. It is not crazy. It is not unbiblical, but it is absolutely right. It is absolutely right. amen and it's not right because I said it it's not right because you said it it's not right because I do it it's not right because you do it it is right because God said it was right so why do we shout why do we dance why do we cut loose every now and again it is because there's something within me that i want the world to know my god has delivered me my god has set me free my god washed me cleansed me made me white as snow and i'm not afraid to be clamorously Foolish in my display of God's glory. Why? Why? Why do we praise God? I praise Him with hands extended. I praise Him with an adoration. I love you so much. I praise Him when I sing a song. And I turn the books of that hymnal, or I bit down and I begin to sing a song. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. You know it? Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Oh, now, Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Oh, now, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never, I will to heal our praise. I sometimes, it's like somebody said, just because I can't sing, doesn't mean I won't sing. Amen. I want to sing praises to the Lord. I will do it at times. That's why coming to this altar and kneeling down, we often think, you know, we need to get this out of our head, that everybody that comes to an altar has got to be a sinner. That's a bunch of hogwash. Sometimes I just want to come kneel before my God. You know what? We could use a little more kneeling. We could use a little more kneeling. Sometimes I just want to bless him in a ball rock kneeling position. Other times, those of us that can, even those of us that can't, we want to reach out there and play a musical instrument sometimes. Why? Because it gives God praise and it gives God glory. Sometimes I just got to shout it out. My God has been good to me, and he's never left me and never forsaken me, and he's never turned his back on me, and he's washed me. And cleansed me, and set me free from this world. I want to Shabbat praise him. I want everybody to hear me. I want everybody to know that my God has been good to me. And especially parents, hear me. Scripture expressly not only gives you the permission, but it gives you the commandment for one generation to do that, to share it to the next generation. Don't ever be ashamed of telling your children the battles you fought growing up. Don't ever be ashamed of telling your children the things that God has brought you through in your family. Don't ever be ashamed of sitting them down, putting your finger in their face, and say, look, you turn that phone off. You cut that TV off. You close up that book just for a minute, and you're going to listen to me. God moved in our family, and God set us free, and God supplies our needs. You tell them. You tell them. He's about to call somebody. He just wants to tell them about Jesus. Come on, Red. Amen. And then, when we get into that old Pentecostal hoedown service, don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever be ashamed of a little halal praise. Don't ever be ashamed of cutting loose. Don't ever be ashamed of throwing down the gauntlet, if you will. Don't ever be ashamed of realizing that sometimes I just cannot sit still. Why? Just every time, and I hope and I pray that every time, every time you read Psalms 150, from this point forward, you remember this. Be foolish in your praise to the Lord. Be foolish in His sanctuary. (laughs) Be foolish in the firmament of His power. Be foolish in His mighty acts. Be foolish according to his excellent greatness. Be foolish with the sound of a trumpet. We don't have one, but I wish we did. Be foolish with the psaltery and the harp. In other words, musical instruments. Be foolish foolish with the timbrel and the dance like you guys had. And we want to go on. It says be foolish with the stringed instruments and the organs. Be foolish upon the high sound. Symbols and the loud symbols, and let everything that hath breath. Everybody go, come on. Let everything that hath breath be foolish for the Lord. That is literally what David was saying. Get excited, get thrilled, get emotional. And get physical in what you are doing in your praise and worship to God. This, folks, this is why we're apostolic Pentecostals. This is part of who we are. Others can do it. And I hope and pray. I'd love to see an outbreak of praise and worship in the Baptist church down the street. I'd love to get a phone call. Pastor Horn, can you explain to us what's going on? Be glad to. I had a friend of mine one time that <clears throat> got a call from a Lutheran pastor. He said, Listen, I don't know what's happening. But when we come together and we pray, we got people doing some weird stuff. They start talking in some language that we don't know and they don't know and they don't understand. But he said, I know that you know some of this stuff. So can you come explain it to all of us? He said, Nah, sorry, too busy. No. <coughs> he said, I'll be there yesterday. And they went down there, and they preached the Holy Ghost and baptism to that entire congregation. And one by one, they received the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because somebody was not ashamed. We, we've got to get out of this. This is who we are. <coughs> now, next week is uh, Fellowship Wednesday, so we won't have it then. But the following Wednesday... I'm going to begin talking about the five offspring of praise. And uh, that will uh, conclude our series on praise. Um, if you want to look ahead, you can look ahead a little bit. You'll find that Judah had five children, five boys. And we want to delve into what they mean and what they represent and the names and so forth. That praise, these are the offspring. These are the things, the results of praise like we've seen here tonight. They will show you, and we'll look into what it means, what happens, what changes in our life when we praise the Lord. God bless you. I'm glad to be in church. I'm glad I've been in church. I want you to uh, don't forget if you want it, if you didn't get one last week, the 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 signs of uh, <coughs> are up here. You can have this list, and uh, you can take it with you and compare it to what we've talked about already. Um, next week again is fellowship night. What what are you?